This week's episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Humble Bundle. Hey, if you're looking to expand your gaming library, either through your PC or one of your console systems, you have to check out what Humble Bundle can bring to you. You'll be able to donate at a level that you're comfortable with. And I say donate because when you subscribe to The Humble Bundle, Every week, a portion of the proceeds go to support a very good charity. They vet their charities. You get a ton of games. And hey, for 12 bucks, you get AAA games, a bunch of indies, and you can really, really fill out your Steam library. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and give it a shot. 12 bucks and... If you pick up one game a month you like, it's paid for itself. Plus, proceeds go to fantastic causes. You can even scale and select the charities of your choice. Again, go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, find the link to the Humble Bundle, and subscribe. Now, on with the show. Hello, hello, welcome everybody. Another week has gone by and another episode of Nerdcom Nerd Cognito. I know the name of our show is coming at ya. Uh, I'm gonna shut up and just say hello to my co-host. I'm joined as always by Bert. Hey Bert! Hey Ryan, how's it going this week? I can't talk. <laughs> I heard that. You stumbled a little bit there, my friend. I did. Uh, that's because of the sneeze. Before we went on the air, I was telling Bert, yeah, you know, we're ready to we're ready to go, but I've got this sneeze. And as soon as it comes out, uh, I'll be set. And of course, no sneeze. <laughs> I lose. No sneeze. That happens every time, man. As soon as you talk about it, it doesn't happen. I know. I, I just. Bert told me to look up because that sometimes helps, and a giant spider is over my head in the studio. But you know, he eats nasty things, so I'm going to leave him alone. I, I, I don't mind spiders. Neither do I. I never had much trouble with spiders. You know, there are certain things, you know, certain types of insects and things that get to me, but spiders really never did. Uh, spiders, they, they can do their thing. They eat insects that are far nastier than they could ever be. They're just creepy looking, and I think that they get a bad rap. I had a guy that, that once gamed with us. This was long, long ago. Um, absolutely terrified of spiders. Actually pulled me aside and said, I, I, hate, <laughs> I hate spiders. Can you not have spiders? I know we're, we're going down into this giant dungeon can you not have spiders so of and course anyone who knows ryan he just added spiders to the menu i, I sure did <laughs> just because as the sparkle trolls will say you're a terrible gm yeah. well this week <laughs> uh we get to pull something off the back burner last week we were thrilled to talk to our friend greg lambert the author and designer of the Chronicles of Iris. And we gave Greg the whole show. We had such a great conversation. I didn't feel right chopping it up, Bert. I, I wanted to, to really just 
sit back and listen to his thoughts on the state of 5e and, you know, his disappointments with wizards and that system. And I thought that the tale of how Iris came to be was worth the time. So we shoved our old Shelf of Shame board game review to this week. Yes, we did. We pushed back Brass Birmingham. We did. We did. And, and by, this is by no means a timely review, Bert, but uh, we're going to take a, a look into Brass Birmingham. And then, of course, we've got the news. And I think on the flip side of the news, one of the recurring conversations that is happening right now in the tabletop role-playing world is talking about whether or not main character syndrome exists in oh, the tabletop. It exists. <laughs> you know who's saying that it doesn't, right? Anyway, we're, we're going to talk about whether it exists, and I think Bert and I can both solidly say it exists. Oh, yes, there, I have some stories there. We'll, we'll talk about how we deal with main character syndrome from a DM's perspective. And from a, a party member's perspective, you know, if you're in a group with someone, thought that sneeze was coming, that is showing the symptoms of main character syndrome, how to sort of cope with it, because nobody wants to be at a table with 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 that. <laughs> What'd you do this week, Bert? Oh, not too much. I got caught up on Stranger Things. Spent some time with the wife, worked, you know, the usual stuff. I was planning on getting caught up and finishing Strange New Worlds and all of the TV that I wanted to to just relax and veg out, and I got zippity-doo-dah television time <laughs> in this week. It was a busy week. It was a busy week of nothing, <laughs> I I don't understand that. That always boggles my mind, right? How how can you have such a jam-packed week, but I've accomplished nothing? Oh, it happens, my friend, to all of us. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. But one thing that's not frustrating is we ticked a board game off of my shelf of shame at the Nerd Cognito gaming table, and that game I guess it's considered an old game now, Bert. Brass Birmingham. I remember when it came out. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but if people say it's an old game, I guess there's new things on the horizon. So, Well, Brass Birmingham was a 2018 release. I thought it only sat on the shelf for, for maybe two years. Now, I did not get it via Kickstarter. I did get it retail, so maybe that's why... I'm feeling like it didn't sit quite as long as it did. But for those mm. of you that don't know, it's an economic strategy game where you are an entrepreneur in Birmingham and the surrounding area during the Industrial Revolution. And you build and develop your industries and network and try to exploit low or high market demands to make money, earn victory points, and squeeze your opponents out of their best-laid plans. Um, I, You know me, I like economic sims. I, I, I think that this is something that is on the short list for me 
just because of my sort of makeup. I enjoyed the game probably more than I thought I was going to. What do you, what do you think, just generally speaking, Bert? Overall, I enjoyed the game, too. I'm not usually as into an economic simulator as you are, but this one kept my attention, kept my interest. There was a lot going on, so... I kind of uh, I kind of got sucked into it. I, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Yep, and it still holds up in the old board game geek ratings, if you give those any credit. It is number three overall and number one in the strategy category. So it is the shining star of strategy economic sims, so to speak. Not by any means an easy game to pick up, but I no. think... Once you get through the churn, if and we'll talk about that. You, you know what I'm talking about with the churn, right? Right. But I think probably a third of the way through the first play for everyone at the table, um, we really hit our stride, and it, and it started to pick up. And, man, <laughs> I don't want to say that it was brutal and cutthroat, because it certainly wasn't. But it had the potential to feel that way some of the time. Right. It was difficult to strategize ahead because somebody could take the space you want or the resource you want and sort of leave you wanting for a plan at that point. And it wasn't even a move to say, you know, fuck you. It's just there are incredibly finite choices once you decide you're going a certain route. There's lots of choices in the game, but... um, Every round, players build or develop or work something in their network. So everybody is going to take a turn, and they get two actions to do two things. Most of the time, you're building or you're selling, right? And you're building up your network, but the board is unique in that each location only can support certain industries, and you have to synergize not only your vertical integration, but transportation to and from those industries. Or I'm not coming up with the right words to explain just how masterful it is for being as complex as it is. And I think that that's a good point. I mean, you know, there is a lot going on, but it makes sense. You know, if I'm building an ironworks, I need some way to transport that iron. Well, and iron's so, the one you don't need to transport. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it just pops true. in wherever. But but coal is a bitch, especially the game's played over two what they call eras, um, first half and second half. Coal is a big, old, hairy, twatted bitch in the second half of the game. Right. You're either trying to get it or trying to use what you've got, and you have to be able to move those resources where you need them. Yeah. Uh, components were good. I liked where they were going with the components. I wish there was a little less cardboard and a little more attention to the actual manipulatives, but that can easily be solved with a 3D printer. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Which I still need a new 3D printer, man. I told you, I I burned out the hot end on my old one, right? No, you didn't. I know that you were looking at getting a new one. But I didn't know you had burned out your old one. I burned out the hot end on the old one, and it's up there in years, too. I don't know if it's worth putting some more money in. 
So right now I am sans 3D printer in general. I went from three to zero in less than a year. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, no, but you, you could definitely customize the hell out of this. I know that there are some very, very pretty deluxe coins if you're into pimping out your game. What did you think of the look of the game, Bert? There wasn't anything that was super exciting. You know, you had... You know, cubes and beer barrels and cardboard markers and... Right, there was no um, four-inch tall Mother Hydra. <laughs> right, nothing like that. But for, I, I thought, it, you know, the artwork and things like that stayed true to the theme. The uh, canals and the railroads and things like that, you know, it, it made sense the way that it was laid out. So it was... Uh, the components, I think, were good, but I wouldn't say excellent. I agree. I agree. They, they by no means were cheap, but I, you know, if I'm going to nitpick and I might as well, fantastic game, absolutely loved it. Top of the list as far as reviews, top of the, the, the mountain as far as board games go. Why not? What, what the hell? Let's nitpick I think you, it. I want I think you just love it this much because you won. <laughs> well, now I really didn't think I was going to win, but winning helps. I was on I was on a massive losing streak, Bert. I don't think I've won for about six months. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been a while since you were in first place on one of our game nights. And I by no means was in first place throughout the game either. I I legitimately I knew I had a shot, but I didn't feel confident in the win. And that win was by one lonely point. <laughs> so it was super close. I'm sorry, though. I interrupted you. You were saying that if you were going to nitpick, you loved the game, you loved playing it, but... I would pay $20 more for improved components or, oh, dare I say, like an overlay board where nothing mm. moves and you just slot things in. But I, I'm getting, like, super super nitpicky with that you know <laughs> <laughs> true true not everything can be otis uh otis right for I those mean, of you dirt, that dirt cheap and amazing quality right you know? if you're not a longtime listener we discovered otis so oh, about half a year ago and uh great little game i can't even say great little game it is a full-fledged game amazing components and board quality and because it just sort of fell through the cracks and didn't take off, you could probably still pick it up for about 20 25 bucks. Check your friendly local gaming store. Or if I feel up to it, I'll put a link to it on the evil Amazon in our show notes. But no, uh, I'm being incredibly, incredibly nitpicky by saying that I wanted different components. Um, there's nothing wrong with the components. I just think that you could really pimp this shit out oh absolutely now i liked it enough that i actually thought about pimp out options on this one and the one thing that i'm limited by is the box size because the box that it comes in is literally the size that it needs to be there is not a square inch of bonus space in the box as packaged and so I said, I'm going to pass on pimping this one out just because I don't want to pimp out the storage for it either. Uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about the gameplay. Bert, 
give me the reader's digest on the gameplay. Okay, well, as you mentioned before, every round you get two actions. Um, you have a board that's your own personal board that has all of your, not exactly resources, but say businesses that you want to build on it. Yeah, uh, it's like your menu of stuff. Right. You've got coal mines, you've got ironwork, clay makers, breweries. So you have all these different sort of businesses that you could build on the board if you have the resources and the money to do so, you know, and you, if you can find a spot to put it. Right. So you can, you know, every round you're trying to, you know, gain points, gain income, and you'll do that by building and selling businesses, by, you know, taking a loan from the bank, by gathering resources like coal and iron to spend. There are a number of different ways to, sort of increase your standing. So you really have to kind of think about what you're going to do. But basically, your goal is to have the most income and the most points. Right, Re right. Short, short version. Short version. And the points are all laid out in front of you, too. There are no public goals. There are no hidden goals. It is what you see is what you get. And I think I appreciated that, too, because if you threw in more, as in public goals or as in personal goals. I think it goes from being just right, even though it's deep, even though it's complex, it's just right to being too much. So I agree. There was already a lot to keep track of. Not too much, you know, there but you had to kind of plan your strategy and the fact that you could see what other people were doing and that everybody had the same sort of opportunities made it a lot easier to kind of plan your own strategy, whereas secret goals and things like that, I think, would just muddy the waters too much. Yeah, I think uh, you hit the nail right on the head. We it, it has perfect clarity as it is right now, and we don't want to muddy it up. Um, overall thoughts, buy it, play it, or run and head for Z Hills, Bert? I'm going to say buy it and play it. Yeah, you know, no, I, I agree. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised and disappointed in myself for letting it sit on the shelf for as long as I did. You know, I heard about the the buzz when it was launching way back when, and it was a big deal. I remember people loving it. You know, I, you see people throwing it out there. Hey, you got to play brass. Sure, it, it's on the list and it's at the top, but the reason is is because it is a top notch game so brass birmingham i say own it own it own it and play it with your friends especially your friends that won't have their feelings hurt if you're playing an economic sim <laughs> that's always important <laughs> right right i mean it's one thing to you know tell somebody uh, uh go to hell you took the move i want hey, you yelled at multiple people across the table <laughs> right every time i had a strategy Either you or Mike would get there first. And, and Bert, like, nah. Bert doesn't yell, and Bert yelled at us. I loved it. It was great. And it wasn't even a, a fuck you move. Like I said, you know, once you've committed to a strategy, there's limited options, and sometimes your opponents just set things up to be perfectly picked. And through no targeting, at least on my half, I, I, I can't speak for Mikey. Mikey might have targeted uh, but <laughs> I had no clue when I built that brewery that it was going to piss you off. 
But it did, and you yelled at me. Oh, yeah, I mean, you you get far enough into the game that, like, when you're planning your strategy, if somebody takes the resource you need, you know, and I mean, I wasn't ranting or screaming or anything, but yeah, I was like, oh, god damn it, I wanted that. You were passionate about it, and that means that it's a good game. Absolutely. If you could change one thing, if anything, what would you change? The one thing I didn't like is the merchants, the fact that some of the merchants come up as nulls or dead zones. Um, I would rather have all the merchants in play, even if they're not buying the resources that I want to sell. See, that didn't bother me as much. I, I kind of like that there were, I guess, economically depressed cities, right? You think of it like that. Um, right, but you're you're you know you're building a railroad to a merchant, and then the merchant has is not buying anything that you need except coal. It makes things you know. Yeah, but you know that up front. It's not not a that's peekaboo. True. You that's know? true. I don't know if I had to change something, I, I I would glam it up. I think that it is right where it needs to be as far as balance. So your changes would all be cosmetic. Uh, everything I would do would be cosmetic. 100%. Um, there, I, I know there's a day side and a night side to the board. Same boards, just whatever theme you want to play. Uh, my old eyes wished we had flipped it to the day side after about three <laughs> hours in. Um, but everything is cosmetic. I've got I've got nothing nothing negative to say. And, and that is noteworthy. Mark it down, report it to the news. Ryan has nothing that he would change significantly on this game. What did I say? News. Oh, boy. Going in for such positivity, or from such positivity, I should say, I can only hope that this week's news is equally positive. I I, hope so too, Ryan. What is in the news this week? I I will tell you that I gave a cursory glance to the news this week. uh, I'm going in relatively blind. Like I said, it was a week where... I feel like I should have moved mountains, but I did nothing. (laughs) And that includes not doing as good of a job reading the news as, as I wanted to, you know, I eyeball them when I curate them. If one really gets my attention, I'll read it in detail, but I like to try to prepare closer to when we record for the show, just so that it's fresher in my mind and that didn't happen, so I'm going. I'm going in blind based on my initial knee-jerk reactions to when I saw these stories. And you know, I'm a fan of Kojima-san, Hideo Kojima. Of course, absolutely. Um, you know that I'm also a fan of horror in general. Yes. Well, Kojima is reportedly now developing a horror game named Overdose. Really. Yeah, I think it's an interesting turn, but a logical turn for anyone who uh, played Death Stranding. There were definitely horror overtones in it, and they could have been exploited and gone full-on hard-on horror. But uh, a leaker claims that he has footage of the game which stars Margaret Qualley, who, if you played Death Stranding, was the super sexy Mama. That was the character's name, Bert. Mama. Um, Okay. 
Kojima is, is of course, refuting it, saying, hey, that's not linked to my latest IP. Uh, Kojima, which is out of character for him, didn't issue takedowns, but sent emails requesting Ooh. that stories be removed. Not a Kojima move. Usually, he is the first one to embrace sort of the internet gaming community for good or for bad and to spin right. the bad into good. Uh, so this this just sort of checks the, the box that it's probably accurate. <laughs> uh, and it even was, it, knowing how long it takes Kojima to produce a game, it may be so premature that that he wasn't really comfortable with that information coming out. But uh, Overdose is, is the name of the game. There have been rumors of Kojima developing a Xbox exclusive, which is also out of character for him. So jumping to horror and making it Xbox exclusive sort of makes sense, you know, and this could be the game. We don't know. You know, he's got his plate full. We know that Death Stranding 2 is being made because Norbin Reedus, uh-oh. <laughs> and oops. <laughs> uh, maybe Hideo just was not cool with having two in a row come out. So no clue what it's about other than it's horror, and it's called Overdose, and it's probably going to be gratuitously over the top as far as story as are all of his games. And yeah, I mean, that's a Kojima trademark. Right. Uh, we'll just, just have to wait and see. Wait and see. But, come on, Margaret Cawley. Holy shit. Total smoke show, Bert. <laughs> lover. Lover, lover, lover. Hey, you and I like monster collection games. Oh, sure. Played a number of them over the years. Are, are you familiar with Monster Sanctuary? That one I don't know. Probably not. It's an indie one, but it's a big indie one. Uh, it's available on all platforms, and it's it's intriguing. I actually bought it shortly after it launched, right? And I've never played it. <laughs> Do you see a pattern here? I have a problem. Right. Um, I mean, you have a collection of games that you don't play. Uh, I probably am going to play it now. They actually released their first full DLC for free for everybody. And, you know, they're collecting, you know, PayPal tips if you want to send them something. But Monster Sanctuary caught my eye originally because it's it's a monster collection game in a Metroidvania style. So really? it, it's, okay. it's pixel graphics, Metroidvania side-scrolling, but monster collection, you know, I, I think it it says a lot that a game that was released in 2020 on last generation's consoles continues to receive such love from its developer. So hmm. I owe it to them to play it. And if I enjoy the DLC, throw a couple of bones their way in their little tip jar. What a what a weird but indie move, huh? We're, hey, we're going to give you a full DLC. Here's a tip jar. <laughs> right, yeah, it's definitely an indie move, but that's but that that's kind of it's also kind of awesome too. You know what I mean? You you're going to get a, a a great resource to play, to expand the game you're already playing, and they're like, "If you like it, give us a little something." Right. You know. And we're not talking a a a, a sneeze of an expansion. 
Uh, we're talking new monsters, 78 new skills. Now, I've never played the game, but 78's a big number. <laughs> that is a large number to add. New items that. and three new gaming modes. So uh, one of them is uh, a randomized mode. One of them is a hardcore permadeath mode, and the other one's called bravery mode. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I guess I should check it out. But, yeah, I, I'm big fan of metroidvania games i loved oh what was the name of, of that game played the hell out of it it was the castlevania that wasn't castlevania oh um god i put hundreds of hours into this game i, I can't tip of my tongue i'm gonna i even got mikey into it and he played the hell out of it and that's not his style bloodstained ritual of the night that's it bloodstained yeah yeah i played the yeah, hell that... out of bloodstained I don't know how you pulled Mike into that, but that was a that was a pretty good trick because normally that's not his style at all. Oh, speaking of pulling Mike into games that are not his style, guess what the man has put at least forty hours into this week? What's that? Oxygen not included. <laughs> I finally, finally <laughs> dragged him in. To, I guess, you, uh, I mean, if he's going to pick a city builder, he picked a brutal one to start with. Yeah, he did. And then, of course, he's talking about it and asking me, and I'm telling him these things. So, of course, by the end of the week, what am I playing again? Oxygen not included. Oxygen yep. not included. I'm looking at my Steam catalog right now because I had to look it up because my brain stopped working with Bloodstained. Um, oxygen not included, 398.4 hours. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Monster Sanctuary, check it out. Pokemon meets Metroid. And, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for pixel art games because it's what I grew up on. Oh, sure. Speaking of old school art styles, we just talked about this. Your wife is going to throw a shoe at me when she hears this one. Okay. Her Chrono Trigger inspired indie is right. already delayed to 2023. Oh, come on. Sea of Stars has been delayed, according to the developer's quote, uh, keeping in mind our two main priorities, quality of life for the team and quality of the finished game. We can now confirm that Sea of Stars will be released in 2023. We understand that waiting this long is a big ask, and we want to sincerely thank our community for the overwhelming support and positive vibes. In the meantime, we're looking to get options to get a playable slice out to everyone this year. So, again, not a, a coming, maybe. yeah, not a huge, huge studio by any means. Uh, it's Sabotage Studios, which is definitely an indie studio. Sure. It's a pretty daunting task when you say we want to be the spiritual successor to Chrono Trigger. <laughs> right. That's a big ask from any studio. And I am all for balancing work and life. You know, I, I think that that is a huge deal that not enough people pay attention to. So I applaud them for taking care of their people. I'm just disappointed that, that I have to wait a little bit longer for Sea of Stars. And and Jen, please don't throw a shoe at me. Did you play any EverQuest or EverQuest 2 back in the day? 
some of EverQuest one, but not very much. I, I I played quite a while with our with our buddy Douglas, uh, EverQuest two for a long, long, long time, and uh, I remember when it went free to play, and I played it even longer then. But uh, Daybreak, I don't know. They kind of pulled a dick move this week. What's that? In EverQuest or EverQuest 2, if you had a violation of their terms of service, so this could be everything from scamming players to um, using mods, you know, right. something that violated the terms of service. Sure. If it wasn't a ban, right? But it was something that they felt needed a consequence. Right. They kicked your character to a server called Drunder. It was the prison server, right? Um, you had no customer support. They didn't police it. But at least you continued to play, and they continued to take your money. So it was like the Wild West. Well, of course, it was still had the same protections as the other servers. So were mods possible? Yeah, but when they were discovered, they were locked down. But, you know, if you got stuck, you got stuck. Or um, if something terrible happened, you know, you didn't get your customer support. But they still let you play their damn game. And, of course, they still took your money. Well, right. without warning, this week, everyone that was on Drunder instantly character deleted and permabanned. Wow, okay. And the permabanned... It extended across their platforms into EQ1 and DC Universe. Oh, wow. Now, now here's the catch. We're, I'm not defending the people that ended up on Drunder. But clearly, their violation wasn't enough for them to get that ban whenever. And we're talking in the heyday, so 15 years ago, right? Right. Whenever it happened, it wasn't enough to get them kicked out. And they had friends that played. And there's now a community of people that are stepping forward because you could volunteer to migrate your characters to Drunder so you could play with your banned friends. Those accounts oh, were also permabanned. So people who did nothing wrong other than wanting to play with their degenerate friends right. also got permabanned. Yes. Not a cool move by any means, Daybreak. <laughs> Especially, we're talking about a property that isn't exactly setting the world on fire right now. EverQuest 2? Really? <laughs> True, yeah. When's the last time that was in the news? Yeah. Ouch, that's uh, all you did was you had maybe not the best choice in friends online, but you know you made a decision to stick by them, and they got you permabanned. That's... Hey, Bert, when I was like 16 playing Diablo, I did all sorts of wretched shit online. It, oh sure. It just happens. It just happens. I I you know, modded the hell out of it, did the dungeon full of permanent firewalls, opened a town portal in the middle of it, invited noobs to come down my portal. <laughs> uh, not not fun, but when you were 16, that was a blast, right? So, oh, last but not least, this is this is sort of a personal touch news story for me because my favorite GameCube game of all time turns 20 this year. 
And Eternal uh, Darkness? Yes, I'm talking about Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful game that we'll never, ever see. 20 years. Sadly, Silicon Knights, the developing studio that still owns the IP, went bankrupt in 2013. One of the studio's co-founders was arrested and pled no low contesto to child porn. Oh. The last founder, Dennis Dyack, created a brand new development studio. It's it's just not going to happen. So we'll uh, never see a reboot, reskin, remaster. Oh, a re a remaster is all it needs. You know, I, I pulled it out and played it a while ago, within the last two years, and the controls definitely feel like two thousand and two. <laughs> sure. But if you clean that up and put some textures on it, my God, is it such a good story and such a compelling game. It's just we're, we're never, ever going to see it again. So True. I mean, I remember all those bizarre elements that it had to it, and I've never seen another game like it before or since. I, I, I told you, they got me once with the the memory card error. They almost got me with the GameCube controller error. I don't know if you saw that. That one's a rare one where it just pops up and says, we can't find your controller, and then your character freezes and everything moves towards you, and and you're trying to you know use your controller, and it's just not accepting your input, and the monsters are still coming at you, and then the screen flashes, and it sets you back to where it was prior to that. Um, <laughs> good old sanity. Uh but yeah, sadly, Eternal Darkness never, never will see the light of day again. Pun intended. Mantarok, we miss you. And that, my friend, is the news. Yeah, ended the news on a bummer for me. I really, really like Eternal Darkness. You know, we we talk about games that were formative for us. Sure. And I can probably name five that are incredibly powerful for my life, and Eternal Darkness is on that list of five. What does that say about me? <laughs> oh, shit! Oh, I don't know. Uh, one of the five formative games that you have is about insanity and madness. That's um, And Ancient Ones coming to eat the world. True, true. But that is a little telling, man. Well... <laughs> Maybe some of what they say about me on Twitter is true. Hey, I, I've been relatively unscathed in the Twatterverse as of late, Bert. I don't know if all of the Sparkle Trolls are like at a convention right now or something. <laughs> I don't know. There's uh, quite a few of them going on. It is summertime. Well, it, it is. It's possible, but no, I haven't had anyone tell me that you know I'm a terrible DM. Or racist, sexist, misogynist, whatever ists du jour. Um, I haven't even had hate mail for going on two weeks now. Oh, wow. I don't know what to do with myself. I don't. Um, <laughs> I'll try to get some hate mail from this next segment. Because we're going to talk about main character syndrome. Speaking okay. of the sparkle trolls. 
a lot of the argument that I'm hearing online right now is that main character syndrome, you know what that is, Bert, you know, when, when one member of the party mm -hmm. creates a character that in their mind is so dynamic and so important and creates lore that is so compelling and presents that character with such fervor that nobody can get a fucking word in edgewise at the table. That's main character syndrome. Well, that, that doesn't exist now. First of all, I'm here to tell you, it, it exists. Oh, it definitely exists. The few sparkly ones that acknowledge that it exists say, well, you know, that's not the character or the player's problem. That's the group's problem. I don't want to get back and forth with the sparkle trolls because that's about as fun as shoving a cactus up my ass. <laughs> but I want to talk about main character syndrome in general and Absolutely. what we can do as a group or a DM to sort of diffuse it without destructing a group. You know, people have a hard time nowadays, which is odd because I'm told that the hobby is just so rife with players but you know some folks still have a, a challenge getting a group together folks are not as fortunate as we are that we have now at our table six folks that'll that'll come in and and be able to play and we've certainly had moments where people move and, and people drop sure. out and things have to be shuffled but generally speaking we've at least always had a group we've also not experienced a player that had main character syndrome for a while. The last time I can think of someone in our group that had main character syndrome, oh, let's see. This was when I was with that ex-wife, Bert. So we're, oh, talk wow. we're talking a long time ago, right? Sure. Yeah, it's been a minute. So, I, like, my stories are all going to harken back to days of yore as far as main character syndrome. What is your thought on why this happens? I'll give mine, but then I'll start the hate mail again. So I'm going to start with you, Bert. Okay. I wanted to create a character that was a good support character and that was challenging, slightly effective in combat, but that didn't... That there was no aggro. Like, I didn't have any combat skills. Right. So I was a, I was a priest, and I could heal... And I could take people out of combat using skills like, or spells like hypnosis or charm or hold. You know, I could archetype kind of of a of a support character. Got it. Right. Exactly. So I could, you know, I could affect combat, but I wasn't, you know, an aggressive. I uh, wasn't an aggressive character. Sure. I wasn't a fighter. I, I didn't have any combat real combat skills. So after the first session, you know the. The one care the one player was like, you know, you really need to attack. <laughs> they were like, you, you, we really, you really need to be more combat focused because, you know, I want to be able to do this, this, and this. And if you're not attacking and not drawing, you know, aggro, I'm not going to be able to do those things. So it wasn't that they disliked my character or that they thought I was ineffective or that I wasn't supporting the party. I was preventing them from doing the things they wanted to do in the world. Okay. So that that's kind of my, you know, as in their mind, the game revolved around them wanting to do this cool shit. And if, if they uh, could get everybody to do what they wanted, 
they'd get to do this cool shit. Right. Well, you know, and a, you know what? On a, on a scale of one to ten, that's not terrible. That's only like a five or a six as far as main character syndrome goes, right? Right. I mean, it's not awful. They wanted to be able to direct everybody else's actions so that they could do the cool shit that they wanted. But it wasn't like the world revolved around them. It was just, I want to be able to do this cool shit and you're preventing me from doing it. Let me read to you something I posted earlier on, on my Twitter just to just to stir up some conversation about someone that I think is probably a 7 or an 8 on the main character syndrome scale. Okay, sure. Quote, so this is one of my player characters. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Now we're ready to go. So, <laughs> so this is one of my player characters for an upcoming campaign of mine, and I'm super excited! It's written in his backstory that he is an outcast after making himself look like this via magic. Now, the, the character is some sort of demon, mind flayer, human hybrid that has tentacles coming out of his face, and clawed hands. Oh, and of course, you know, he's naked, and you get to see his happy trail all the way down to his bagunga. Oh, um, wow. But, but, but I get back into character. It's written in his backstory that he is an outcast after making himself look like this via magic. He's a sorcerer warlock who was given the magic he wanted, but at a cost which he happily paid. Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to keep that up because it's so painful. Cool. There we go. I needed my inspiration to come back. I'm concerned that my other players, who are newer players, may feel like they're losing out by not having a full party for social situations or by him commanding the situation because of his looks and or needs. They need to understand that nothing is more important to him than him. That's why he made the choices that he would look the way that he does. How would you handle a player making a monstrous character design that's clearly going to be the focus of the campaign? Mm, well, let's see. First thing that comes to mind is put him in a burka. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, um, the fact that you want to play a monstrous character or a tragic character or a character with a tragic backstory, that doesn't bother me in my campaigns. No, I, not at all. I kind of I love that stuff. I can use a lot of that stuff. I can, you know, man with a troubled past or man on a mission. This character is going to be dead. He's going to have a target on his back as soon as anyone outside of the party sees him. And possibly, if the party is role-playing accurately, they will kill him themselves. I mean, it depends. Uh, you know, there are things, ways you can get around that. I mean, uh, you know, if the character is of a neutral alignment or a non-evil alignment, you know, you may be able to, you know, work that in with detect alignment or... A paladin's ability to detect evil, you know, once you find out that he's not evil, then you may be able to move past the appearance type stuff. You're but being far gonna... too forgiving. I'm sending you a picture of the character. Oh, wow. That's a bit extreme. <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of looks like um, somebody flayed a mind player and uh, 
then dipped it in bleach. I'm, I'm trying to think of how I would describe this. This is disturbing, to say the least. The point you know? is, this player wants the game to be all about them. And that can't happen for an effective campaign. No, agreed. Agreed. I mean... Everybody for... is having a good time. And if you create a character and play it in the way that it was portrayed to be played and outright say that you are going to step on the toes of everyone in your group, you have main character syndrome and you need a foot up your ass or you need to be shown the door. I I make no bones about it. Well, I would agree with the first part of that. I mean, definitely it's main character syndrome. And it's like, look, you're, you're, you're stomping on everybody's good time. We need to skew this in such a way that you're not pulling focus, or we need to talk about maybe exiting this character and bringing a new one in. And I think that anyone that's rational will accept that. But I wonder, does that happen anymore? And do people accept that? I unfortunately think that if you let it progress to the point where the character example that I read, which was an extreme example, but again, is it extreme? Someone was proud of this and posted it online. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? I, I, I can't make this shit up. I just see it, and I go, wow, wow, we're fucked. Let's make fun of this on Twitter. So that's, that's what I do. But there is a segment of the hobby that fully supports this, and if you don't give that character their due... And if their due is greater than someone else's due, so be it. Then you're a shitty DM. Then you're a bad group. And and I just can't wrap my head around it. No, I mean, for me, you know, if I'm in a group with six people, then everybody's got to get their shot. I mean, will there be sessions where somebody's more of a focus? Well, sure. You know, if something in their backstory comes into play or if something, you know, if somebody's hunting them or, you know, things like that, there are times when you fo- you focus the spotlight on a single character, but it doesn't stay there. Right. You know, you want to give everybody their chance to shine. It's fluid. And, we- and while the players have a responsibility to create compelling characters. Sure. There's a difference between a compelling character and an overbearing character. And, that is true as well. And I worry that we don't understand the difference. This character is all shock and no substance. I want to create a memorable character through the actions and the exploits of the character themselves. And that's going to come with a supportive party, with good storytelling, with great combat, and with excellent roleplay. It's not going to come because I have 17 adjectives in front of my character. I, I, I just... I don't know. What 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 would compel someone to go down the route of I mean, is it uh, I hate to go here, but is it a generational thing? Am I the curmudgeonly old man yelling at the cloud again? Is it a we're dealing with a generation that is all about me and not about we? 
I don't think so. I, 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 I mean, I, I play dynamic characters. You, you've seen, hell, one of my most fun characters I'm playing right now is a seven foot tall drag queen space pirate. And she is fabulous. <laughs> she is fabulous. But does she demand the center of attention? No. If you are, even if you're put in a leadership role in the game, you can't be the center of attention. You've got to give other people the chance to focus. Right. You know, even new players, encourage them to step up and stand out and take their shot. Well, I, I, I definitely, as much as I want to blame the youngins on this one, I know it's been around forever. There's always the sure. folks that, that want the story to revolve around them. And usually you can see it coming with eight pages of backstory that are handed to the DM, but sometimes it hits you out of left field. Sure, the first time they ask you if they can have an artifact. You know, like <laughs> and uh, again, I think the most reasonable way to deal with it is uh, give them a smack in-game first before you do anything. Not anything that's crippling, just just a little, you know, wake up slap in the face. And if that doesn't work, you got to pull them aside and say, hey, you know, I'm not digging X, Y, and Z. It's not healthy for the group, and it needs to stop. And if it doesn't stop, then maybe it's time to, to talk about other steps. But I know it's going to stop, so we'll talk about other steps when it happens again, if it happens again. You just got to have a hard line, and it's not anything that anybody likes to do. You know, no, I, I've, likes I've kicked people out of groups before and contrary to popular belief, I did not enjoy the process. Well, no, I, I enjoyed it. a couple of them, but done I generally it, don't like enjoy the process, right? No, I've done it. Didn't like it. Uh, you know, it's not the favorite thing in the world, but you know, when you're, when you come together as a group, then the focus has to be on the group not on one person who wants to take over. Right. And, you know, again, just common sense and realize that the reason you have a role-playing group is because you have a role-playing group. And we'll leave it at that. Oh, Brass Birmingham, bunch of news, bunch of dickwads trying to pull focus. I am tired, Bert. I'm just tired. <laughs> I think now's a good time to remind everybody, if you have not already done so, go to the podcast provider of your choice, be it Spotify, be it Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, oh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, you, you name it, we're there. Find Nerd Cognito on the podcast provider of your choice. Hit that subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode of Nerd Cognito. It'll deliver to your device every week when we launch. Uh, it's the best thing you can do to make sure that you don't miss an episode of all of this nerdy goodness. Also, please, please, please take a moment to tell your friends about the show Share it on social media. Retweet it on the Twitter. Do the things to get the word out so that we can continue to grow and bring you quality content. Do you know that, Bert? We are quality content. <laughs> quality content. Well, uh, we certainly try to be. Well, yeah. I've been called a lot of things. 
quality content usually is not at the top of that. I'm not breaking the chain. Two weeks. No hate mail. Two weeks. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I, I've heard you called other C words, but not, you know, not content. Not content. Content. <laughs> Well, that's about it for us this week. My name is Ryan David. I was joined by Bert. We thank you for tuning in. And, of course, we wait to talk with you next week. Be safe out there, everybody.